y'all. I'm Kendall Michelle Haney, and this is episode eight of Type in Tunes. My guest for this episode is Cassie Soliday. Cassie has spent the last few years over at Wild Canary on Puppy Dog Pals as a production coordinator, script coordinator, and then as a staff writer, which is why I've asked her to come on and talk to us about moving up that ladder from production management all the way to staff writer. This is another one of those topics that I know a lot of people have questions about and wonder how to do it, how to do it well. And so that's what Cassie is on this episode to answer. Um, So I hope you enjoy our conversation. And here it is. So I'm here with Cassie Soliday. Thank you so much for coming on, Cassie. Thank you for having me. I was so delighted when you reached out because A, when you started the podcast, I was like, yes, we need this podcast. And then B, <laughs> you asked me and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm so glad. It's been uh, it's been nice that that's mostly been the response. People are excited to come on. Um, but I'm finding it's uh, way more exciting for me to get people on. <laughs> I, I try not to just fawn over you people the whole time, but I'm super excited to talk to you. Um, and I think that your the topic we've kind of chosen for you and to hear about from you is going to be super helpful. It's something I get a lot of questions about. But before we get into that, I would love to just talk about your specific journey. Um, so I know a little bit about your childhood, but do you want to set the scene for us and sort of talk about if you were a writer as a kid and how you started pursuing this? Definitely. So I wanted to work in animation since I saw two movies. It was Nightmare Before Christmas and Toy Story. I didn't really know what that meant, like to work in animation, but, uh, just to kind of give you a glimpse of little me after watching Toy Story, I went home, created my own dummy book and wrote the sequel to Toy Story. Yes, I called it Toy Story Love because I was upset <laughs> that a very important love story did not have finished its arc. <laughs> but as you know, Toy Story, uh, what, yeah. four? Four, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when that came out, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> how true. I didn't how... write it, but I was so happy for them. <laughs> yeah. How close was your version to their... It's not close at all. All right. Well... <laughs> It was basically <laughs> Woody asking Bo out and then they walked hand in hand with all their friends. Like it was like five pages long, but it was my first book. Yeah. Bestseller in my house. Yeah. My mom gave me five cents. <laughs> we all start with fan fiction of some kind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I actually thought I wanted to be an artist for most of that time. Okay. Uh, it was kind of always just art and writing, but so I'm from a very rural area of Southern Illinois and there's really no opportunities there uh like for the arts um I ended up going to college in Chicago to Columbia College and I was going for animation in the film and video department and they were kind of like uh everyone said the redheaded stepchild of the film and video department but I take offense to that (laughs) because um we could just say stepchild yeah but I have been a stepchild maybe I shouldn't say that I don't know we need (laughs) to we need to figure out a different phrase yes is what I'm saying we gotta update that yeah. Um, so they, re- they really didn't focus on writing. They focused on rating your concept, storyboarding it out, and then animating it. Okay. Uh, they didn't really spend that much time on scripting. Yeah. Um, they did have a TV writing department, but it had n- nothing to do with animation. And they had screenwriting um, classes in the film department. But I don't know if you had this experience, but you go into a f- like a screenwriting class for live action and they just when they hear that you want to pitch an animated like project, they're just like, 
Yes. I had exactly that experience. (laughs) Yeah. And the teacher just kind of was like, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. I've heard that from a lot of people. And it's so unfortunate because I kind of feel like it's a little harder to write animation sometimes, you know, because you do have to think more about the rest of the process. Like I'm sure in live action, I haven't written for live action TV, but I am sure you have to keep things in mind, right? Same thing for screenwriting. But with animation, like people have to draw every single thing. Right. And there's a specific way that animation works depending on the type of show it is. So I just feel like you have a lot more factors to think about. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Anyways, a lot of people thought it was really cute. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> there's also I that part. Up, yeah. <laughs> so I ended up taking uh, sketch writing classes at Second City cool. as well as the Annoyance Theater. So I kind of because like I love comedy and all animated series have some kind of comedy in them even if they're just like for brevity (laughs) like in the action adventure area but um so I focus there because short form I feel like it's just gonna keep giving in my Mm -hmm. career so I did that all all together took some improv when I went through all the writing classes I could cool how how um, did you find the improv where would that come naturally or was it really different for you I was really different. So I grew up like really shy (laughs) and like, I would even try to like write out what I would say to my friends the next day, just to like, have it really like ready for the performance of life. And (laughs) it never worked out. Someone would always like pop in there and interrupt me. And I'm like, ah, I don't know what to say now. So actually doing sketch comedy and improv really helped (laughs) my confidence and, uh, in my clamminess when I'd have to introduce myself in class and like, Oh, it helped all over. Like yeah. I am a totally different person than I was as a kid. So I recommend it to everybody. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm sure it helped with the writing, right? Like, mm-hmm. I know a lot of writers who take it to help with writing. Yeah. I never, because like, I never actually expected to get into TV writing. I always thought features get to like, um, you get so, more, so much more uh, emotional depth. Mm-hmm. Like you get to actually explore and have layers and I always loved the epic journeys. Like I love Tolkien and Star Wars and yeah. they, there's just a lot happening. Yeah. <laughs> but in, I don't know, TV writing just like seemed, it's always so funny, you know? And I didn't think I was very funny. Um, I had hoped I was funny. <laughs> it doesn't mean I was. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, TV writing was very much a surprise. And I think it happened when I actually got into the animation uh industry okay I don't I think I just thought the storyboard artist wrote everything yeah quite honest yeah just because of my experience in college right so there was a surprise and I was like I could do that yes (laughs) so so just so we back up just a little so you finish college and then you immediately pursue a job just any job in animation or what was your first pursuit uh out of college yeah I I applied everywhere and anywhere Um, I actually ended up getting, I had like six months with nothing and it was very depressing. Um, I, well, I won't say nothing. I had a job at a call center that was soul crushing. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure there's some people who like it, but I hated it. Uh, that place gave me bed bugs and it was the worst. Like it was just such a bad moment in my life. Yeah. (laughs) And like really what kept me going during during that time. Cause like during college, I was taking the second city classes and the annoyance classes so like I was, I was like deeper in that, um, in that scene, yeah. which really helped me through that 
through that time. Right. Uh, I did get an internship, like a three month internship with this uh, online media company. It was like three full timers with like 10 different interns. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, unfortunately, that happens a lot. Yeah. But it kind of sucks. But you're doing legit work on real projects. And, you know, I got some experience. And I think because of that, that was what finally got Nickelodeon to accept me as an intern because I had applied three times. And I've heard such good things about that internship at school. And I had gotten interviewed three different times, but it was a third time that I actually got the second interview. Okay. And then I got hired. So I was really lucky (laughs) because I was like, ah, it's just going to be another denial and, um, or another rejection. And it wasn't awesome. So, yeah. And that was keep applying. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Keep going. I similarly, I applied to DreamWorks. That was my first big internship and I got rejected a few times before the yes. Um, Yeah. You just got to keep at it. And was, was the Nick internship like general production or was it a specific department? Yeah, it was general production. Okay. So you came out here for, yeah, I worked on, yes. And it was a, um, it was like for a spring semester for the host semester and it was just helping the production team with whatever they needed. And they were like, do you want to come on Tuesdays or Thursday or Tuesdays and Thursdays or Monday, Wednesdays or Fridays? And I was like, of course, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Yeah. I want to be there as often as possible. And was that, that I'm assuming then was your first sort of look at a professional animation studio and really learning the ins and outs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I was a little surprised that we didn't get to do more uh, like uh <sighs> Cause like, it was definitely helping like the production team with uh, anything that, you know, an intern could do. It wasn't like shipping stuff or, you know, you want to help them with more, but you're not being paid. Like, I think it's paid now, but at the time it was not paid. So they can't expect you to like, uh, you know, do work, which you should be paid for. So you're there for a learning experience and first school credit. So you're at Nickelodeon, you're learning the ins and outs of an animation studio. And then at that point, when the internship ends, are you are you totally in love with production management and you want to keep doing that? Or are you writing this whole time or what's, what's sort of the next step in the path? Yeah. So while I was interning, I was meeting as many people as I could and showing them my uh, portfolio. I was, I was showing them my art for portfolio and I was working on a modern family spec for all the fellowship programs that I had learned about. Cool. Uh, Nickelodeon has one, uh, NBC, ABC, like a lot of the studios have one. So I was getting all that prepared. And at this time I was still pursuing both. Okay. Um, but it was really good to get that internship to see what all the jobs entail yeah. to kind of see where I might fit in. Yeah. So, but definitely for the next step, it was trying to get the foot in the door for production because okay. I wanted to keep being around it and keep learning. Yeah, totally. Um, so I'm going to stop you there as far as your next jobs and journey, because that's what your mm-hmm. whole topic's going to be about. And we're going to get in <laughs> yeah. very much into detail. Um, so we're getting into a lot of details there, but let's just skip ahead, let's say. And once you're writing for animation, um, freelancer is your full-time job or whatever it is, can you just talk about what... Um, what you love about writing for animation specifically, and I know you write other things like humor columns and uh, some comics, right? Like what about animation writing do you love and what do you find specific to writing for animation? You can do anything. (laughs) Like drawing a background is cheaper than building a set, right? And you can go even more wild and imaginative because you don't actually have to like make it in real life, yeah. like with real life consequences. I kind of love this 
Uh, example, like Jason Momoa chose to wear jeans as part of his Aquaman costume <laughs> and not realizing that wet jeans <laughs> can chafe your legs. <laughs> he, had a, he is like chafed through the production because oh. he was always freaking wet. So like in animation, <laughs> you can draw a human in jeans in water that is and no hilarious. one gets leg chafing <laughs> Which so is, i think of it like that that's what's key <laughs> is really to save legs from chafing that's what we're all in this for <laughs> oh, yeah that's awesome uh, i also wanted to say practical wise i feel like um live action seems to have fewer action lines yeah. and more space for the director and actors to really show up and explore and discover things at least in the half hour TV scripts I've read. And I find it so interesting to read animation scripts and then in live action and see the differences. Cause I feel like at least on our show that I write for, like I always note like an emotion at pivotal moments mm -hmm. just to kind of help the board artist or director out. So like, why leave them guessing? Just give them the information because we have like really crazy deadlines. <laughs> um, but I also yes. feel like it helps exec reads and stuff, you know? Yeah just to be as clear as possible and, and get it, as you said, through the pipeline. So because of the deadline. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you find, it was interesting to me when I first started uh, writing an animated script that was going to be produced like a first real one, um, how much camera direction and stuff we put in, was that a learning curve for you? And was that one that you enjoyed? Um, I like not putting as much um, camera direction in because like it's kind of taking away a fun part of someone else's job, you know, mm. but I like using it when it's very important. Like if I'm setting up a visual gag, I feel like a great indicator yeah. is like close on bingo, yeah. you know, reveal Roly's butt next to his face. <laughs> he had no idea, yeah. you know, like stupid stuff like that and really genius stuff like that yeah I was gonna say way it goes. comedy <laughs> um <laughs> yeah but if you're using those all the time and it also depends on the show I'm sure yeah I've heard people that work on like an action adventure show are much more strict and very specific so obviously I would adapt to whatever the show needs <laughs> right but uh yeah as I currently write in my current show that's I've kind of just brought that into my own process yeah. so I I very rarely use um camera action and direction have you ever seen scripts where it's like we see a silhouette of a man walk across like the hilltop like that's interesting I yeah like I haven't seen that in an animation script yet but also I'm sure everyone has encountered this animation scripts are really hard to find like yes. you can find some features but tv is so hard so hard um I haven't I haven't really seen the we see uh verbiage in an animated script yet yeah, I've definitely, I've been on a couple of shows that use it, not heavily, but um, like you were saying, anything to be super clear and just get the action across so that the board artists can keep it moving. Um, mm -hmm. But probably even more common than we see is, uh, even the show I'm on now, a lot of um, we hears, if if we're going to do an off-screen sound. But yeah, I, I found that, well, every show is different, like we said, but whatever's going to keep the thing moving is... Michael, mm -hmm. whatever's going to just get it through production uh, and and get the least amount of. Are there any shows that really inspired you? Definitely to get into this. I, I mean, Toy Story, as you mentioned, a Nightmare Before Christmas. But were there any shows that you watched either as a kid or once you started looking into writing for animation that yeah. were kind of like the ones you wanted to write for style of? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I loved nineties Nickelodeon, uh, like Rugrats was always on. <laughs> so oh. I, that was definitely a major, major point. And also like babies going on adventures and like, they were like kind of stuck to their, their house in their backyard. And that was, yeah. it's really interesting how many stories they came up with, <laughs> with such a small playground. Um, but once I actually started thinking about TV writing as, as a, like a goal, uh, I would say Steven Universe, like they like because I mentioned emotional depth and features and how I liked how you could handle bigger themes, yeah, um, and arcs. I have to say that. So I love Steven Universe, and I feel like it was a game changer, right? Like talking about mental health, really dark things, honestly, yeah. and loss and grief, and coming to terms with all that, discovering yourself, coming of age, like all the cool things. Um, and like not every show will be able to allow that, but I liked, I liked seeing the beginning of cartoons having a little bit more substance than just gags. Like I love gags yeah. <laughs> and I will leave room in my scripts. I will, I will write a lesser pay, like page script. So you have room for your gags, <laughs> but I like that we can have these, uh, like real emotional moments to like ground yeah. the comedy. Cause I feel like that comedy is funnier. Yeah. At least that's the comedy I like. Agreed. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely love that. I do recognize because like all my ideas when I was writing my uh, like samples and my pilots, mm -hmm. they were all meant to be serialized. So it was like setting up a longer story. Yeah. And a lot of people give me feedback that I should write something episodic. But Interesting. now that we're going into streaming, yeah. there's a lot more opportunity for, you know, uh, serialized uh, things like Steven Universe. But I just... And I also know that while I can't really go back and watch one episode of Steven Universe without wanting to watch like seven. Yeah. <laughs> like I get, I get it, <laughs> but I still love it so much. <laughs> yeah. That's a great pick. Um, I feel like that's one that, which you said, it was a game changer and it, it didn't just change um, sort of what people were making but it was a game changer in that and it inspired so many people to start making things which i think is pretty powerful mm -hmm. um yeah for sure what about uh things you've written do you have a favorite episode from puppy dog pals or a favorite character maybe you've created for the show that you just love so i have two things okay. i have a favorite character that i contributed to yeah. i did not create her and a favorite episode. I'll start with the episode. So I love all the episodes I've written for different reasons. Like if I turn it in, I have to love it in some way. I know yeah. it's not perfect, but I always try to push as much love into it as possible as we all do. <laughs> um, but a recent one that came out was called Musical Mission Mishap, where the pugs go to Broadway and they have to save <laughs> a show that is is Pups the Musical. So it's kind Cute. of based on Castle. <laughs> And I got to put all my Broadway nerdy musical yes. into it. And when it came out the other end of this big pipeline, everyone else got to put theirs into it as well. Awesome. And it is a delight. <laughs> it is super nerdy and I love it. <laughs> That's so cool. Anytime we can put some of our, just channel some of our fandom into whatever we're making. Exactly. And I had literally just seen uh, Cats, the, the musical, uh, Adam uh, Pantages. Yes. So it was like, perfect timing. I was like, I would love to see Bob in a cat's outfit. And my story editor was like, let's do it. <laughs> and it was just like, fantastic. Uh, I love the it. best day ever. Yeah. <laughs> and that, um, and it was also really nice because a lot of us on the crew would go and watch musicals mm. around town. And it was just kind of nice to have something that came out 
like I knew they would enjoy working on it. Like not all of us did it. It was just like a handful, but who doesn't like musicals? Yeah. So. <laughs> um, but the character, we have this, uh, this really cute artsy dog named Kia. Mm-hmm. And she came in around season two, right at the start when I became the script coordinator. Okay. So she was introduced right when I was introduced into the writing department. So it also means a lot because of that. Yeah. But I wasn't speaking up that much in the room at the time because, uh, well, A, my story editor was like, you know, take your time. You don't have to contribute right away. Just kind of get a, get the gist of the room and contribute when you have ideas, you know? So I was like, oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not speaking. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to learn as much as possible. Um, So they were creating this, uh, this dog to add to the cast and, um in her introductory episode they were like they were at this part we were breaking the story and just and that just means like the broad beats right so she ends up running away accidentally because she's chasing this new strawberry uh well her name's strawberry she's a ladybug (laughs) and uh they're playing puppy pounds out of the yard and then the pugs are like oh no where'd she go we have to find her before chloe gets home or she'll be so sad and so they have to go find her but she doesn't realize she's lost until she's followed this ladybug all the way to a farm and so she's talking to this um I think it's a sheep and uh she's going on and on just like stream of conscious talking and we were trying to figure out what she would be saying I was like oh it'd be great if like she was kind of like stream of conscious but doing kind of like word association along the way she sees a dandelion she's like you know I love dandelions they're not real lions like, they're like big cats. I just met a big cat today named Hissy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love her. You know, like, so it's like that. And it was so cool. And I know this sounds probably like so silly and little and late, but like no. when the writer who got the episode finished writing that scene, she came and got me and she, and she let me read it. And she's yeah. like, here, read this. And I read it and I was like, oh, I like it. Yeah. She's like, you pitched that. And I wrote <laughs> that it. That was you. Because <laughs> it, it didn't hit me why she was letting me read it, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I was like, thank you. Cool. <laughs> and then when she pointed it out, I was like, no way. Yeah. Like, like at the time I was a coordinator. I just got there. I pitched something in the room and I got to see it come out on paper through someone else's hands. Awesome. So that was really neat. And I was like, I want to be a writer. Like yeah. before that I had already committed. <laughs> but at that time I was like, yes, this is definitely what I want. Yeah. So I loved it. Jessica Carlton love her she's the one who wrote that episode and and did that she was so sweet so I it was I remember that moment so much I love it so much that's very cool I feel like we all need those moments to just encourage us and keep us going (laughs) Um, those those magical moments exactly Um, do you have a favorite step of the writing process not really I try not to label things uh, favorite or least favorite in the process because then I'll just dread it <laughs> or look more <laughs> okay. forward to it I kind of just wanted to be all like I can do all of it and it's That's just okay <laughs> yeah um, but I like honestly I have super anxiety through like most of the process yeah so I just kind of focus on the story and expanding it along the way yeah and that like just looking at the next step uh, the step I'm at and the next step coming up helps me a lot uh, so yeah, managing anxiety is fun <laughs> for the record. Yes. Uh, but I will say, and I'll be honest, uh, my weakest point is the springboard, uh, on our show, they're like two to three sentences, act one, act two, and not going into act three. 
Uh, I've seen other shows that have longer premises yeah. and I find it so interesting <laughs> and I wish we had that a little bit, but uh, I get it. You know, it's all, I think it's also easier to get things approved when you give it as little information as Definitely possible can sometimes. Be. Yeah. Uh, but I've gotten better at writing our springboards over the last two years. Um, but yeah, brevity is a strength <laughs> that I am working on. Hard, especially I think it's good, like you said, to try and only think of the step you're on and maybe the next one and not look too far ahead. But that's where I get into trouble is I'm thinking about the script when I'm trying to write three sentences <laughs> and it's yeah. it's nearly impossible. I um, also find like when you start thinking about how great the episode's going to be, like when you're writing just the springboard and then it gets it doesn't get approved, then you're like more devastated. Totally. So, I throw a bunch of shit on the paper and then I polish it. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Just yeah. a methodical wiping. Yeah. So this is bad. insane. That's <laughs> it goes through. Uh, that's the process. That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So I paused you on your journey because what we're going to talk about today and what I'm very excited to get your perspective and advice on is, is the journey is the most I'm going to say the most traditional, even though there's no one way to staff writer, it is probably the most common way is sort of this, this path climbing up the ladder through production all the way to staff writer. So to start, um, I was wondering if you could just describe sort of those main steps and um, then we can get into more detail about how to get each of those jobs, what they look like, but what are sort of the four or five steps to staff writer. Mm, yes. Uh, so I took notes so I could keep my brevity on point here. <laughs> so uh, the steps are production assistant, production coordinator, script coordinator, or writer's assistant. Sometimes that's interchangeable between studios mm -hmm. and then staff writer. So as a PA, uh, just for the record, I was never a PA in animation. Okay. I got my PA work through like uh, freelance commercial gigs and oh. music videos in the Midwest. Yeah. As well as um, I used my stage management for theater experience cool. as I tried to sell that yeah. <laughs> as like equal experience. Some people were like, yeah, of course. And some people like, it's not equivalent. And I'm like, it depends on who you're talking yeah, yeah, to. Yeah. <laughs> well, between that and the, the Nick internship, I feel like that's true. Yeah. Uh, but so I, I've seen assistants. I've worked with assistants. Uh, production assistants, basically, you assist your coordinator with their workload. Lots of note taking on many shows, uh, lots of filling in gaps and, you know, um, things that your coordinator can't take on. They'll give it to you <laughs> or things that you like. You're just kind of like another set of hands and eyes for that department in most cases mm -hmm. uh, for a production coordinator. Uh, you should be the expert on your portion of the schedule and make the artist's lives easier within reason. Don't let them put too much on you if it's actually their job. I will put that out there. It happens. Yes. You just have to be firm with your boundaries. That'll be a theme probably <laughs> for me talking about production. Uh, but you do basically want to predict their needs mm -hmm. and the needs of the show in general. Uh, there's like two different types of uh, coordinator, coordinator PAs that I've seen. Like sometimes you'll have episodic teams where you like are assigned like the even numbers mm -hmm. throughout a production. Uh, so you just see it all the way through script breakdown, design, uh, storyboard, edit, editorial. 
shipping retake and you answer the questions for that episode and then another one is when you're just uh you take care of a full department like i was a i was a coordinator for story editorial on puppy dog pals season one uh and episodic for the 7d is how we did it there so it, like every show is different yeah and it's kind of like appalling when you first get in you're just like why do they recreate the wheel every, <laughs> every single show time <laughs> yes <laughs> but it really is based on the on the group of people that go into that show because some things just don't work for some people right. and it's there you can't really say why but you want people to do their best work so you make compromises totally you know so, but for departments, uh, when you're a coordinator for a department, often it seems like story editorial is usually the same coordinator. Um, but once an episode like goes into story, it becomes your responsibility to make sure it makes it to the next goal post, which would be through editorial to shipping. So you would also be in charge of like connecting with the other coordinators of design. Like if a, if a design pops up in story that you know was not on the design list, you send it to that coordinator so that they can make sure it gets into their pop, their pipeline. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I've also been a coordinator where I was just additional support. I didn't have a department. I was yeah. basically there to um, receive emails from our outsource studio and answer all their questions, which was usually me going around to all the supervisors <laughs> asking what is this? Yeah. Why, why do they need this? What, what is this the back drop or is this, what is this? So it's just a lot of asking questions. It made me feel pretty silly and stupid most of the time. <laughs> so I try, <laughs> I always try to find the answer myself first because yes, I mean, being creative, like, and being stopped all the time to ask questions, um, can take up a lot of time. Yeah. So as a coordinator, no matter what kind of setup it was, I always try to figure it out my, myself. Yes until I knew I couldn't. Yeah. Uh, I never pretended to know the answer either. Uh, just be honest. I don't know. Let me go find out. But if you can possibly hold all your questions for like after lunch, before they get really deep into their work, I feel like that helps. That's like, great. I had a producer who would always be like, there are no animation emergencies. Yeah. So like, it really helps That's to know nice. that although everything is important, like getting the work done is also important. So like, you just kind of have to manage you know? Yeah, for sure. Do you, yeah. Um, and yeah, go ahead. I was just going to sort of take a step back and, and just looking at, um, people who are writing's the end goal, but they want to get just their foot in somewhere and to sort of start learning about the industry in general. And so usually that's a PA or, or coordinator job. Did you find, um, and do you recommend that when they're interviewing for those jobs, they, bring up the fact that writing's the end goal and that obviously the understanding should be they will rock this current job and everyone should give whatever position they're currently in their all but did you were you upfront about that and how did that help you or not help you oh with yeah with puppy dog pals I was up front okay but it was only because I knew I had another job waiting for me (laughs) so it didn't matter if I didn't get the job yeah so I had the of of two offer well one offer already at the time but I, this is the one I wanted okay and I can get into why and everything but yeah so the first uh the first two production coordinator jobs I had I did not mention that I wanted to be a writer some producers like hiring uh people with artistic backgrounds others do not because they know they will lose you yeah <laughs> 
But yeah, when I went into Puppy Dog Pals, I was upfront that I wanted to be a writer. So I was going there because they had script coordinators at their studio. They did not have that at Disney TV, which is when I was there. They had they didn't have like the writing apprentice, yeah, a writing apprentice like they do now. Yeah. And their script coordinators, while they did have them, they didn't work on the shows specifically. Right. They were more like archivists. Yeah. That's how it was explained to me. Yeah, that's a good um that's accurate. That's a good um I was always okay, good. by their title. I was like, but you're not really what anyone thinks of as a script coordinator archivist is a much better title for them yeah I also feel like at the big studios it's so hard to be seen as anything else when you're in production yeah like I, I think as artists I've heard it can be tough for them too but also I don't know I was on a show where they're like oh you're a background designer that also does props let's give you more you know or vice versa and so I don't know. It depends on the people looking at you. That's the crazy thing yeah. is that like, you can't control anything <laughs> in this industry, how people see you, how they respond to you. You can only control yourself. So I knew that even though I could go on to another show, which I really did want to go on to, cause it was a great team, but I knew that after a year, I would probably still be a court, a production coordinator. And I really wanted to make some headway into writing. Mm -hmm. So script coordinator is what I wanted. And so when I spelled it out for, you know, Liz and Janine, our producers at Wild Canary, they were more than ready to support me in that goal. Great. And they needed a story editorial coordinator at the time. Yeah. But they were like, but you'd be around story all the time. And I yeah. was like, I know, I just really wanted to be a script coordinator. And they're like, don't worry, we got you. And it was so nice. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and ultimately they kept their word, which is crazy because they didn't get to make the decision who the story editor hired. Right. So thank you, story editor. Mwah, 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 mwah. <laughs> I'm so thankful. <laughs> uh, that was probably weird that I just sent him a million kisses. He loved it. No, I hope so. <laughs> they were friendly kisses. Well, yes. Um, very thankful. Um, it's going to replace it with puppy licks and that's even weirder. <laughs> but more on theme. Yeah, so it's more on Okay. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. Now. No, that answers it. So it, it can be tricky to, um, to voice when you're interviewing for a straight production job that you're, you're hoping to not be there long because you're wanting to get into <laughs> the writing or at least closer to writing. Um, yeah, but it's also crazy because if no one knows what you want, exactly. you're never going to be considered for it. So while, while I understand producers not wanting to hire non-artistic people so that they stay in production longer, I do feel like what you were saying about, I will do 110% in yes. the job I have now, but I do want to pursue this other thing. Uh, you can say that you could also say like, at one point, I remember this interview I had I said that they were like, do you want to stay in production? And I could kind of feel that they probably had a lot of people leave yeah. <laughs> for those creative <laughs> transitions. So I was like, okay. And you kind of read the room in the interviews, right? So that can have yeah. like three different outcomes of this question. And I, um, I said, I want to be in production. I'm really good at it. I love seeing the overall pipeline, which is all true. I'm not yeah. lying. So, but I did say, however, in the future, I like, I'm not going to not say that, I would like to evolve into a different position. And, and that's understandable. Like yes. you don't know what the future holds. So I say, I'm good at production. Just be confident and just like own it. And I feel like people really um, 
respond to that. And yes. I got the job offer, even though I didn't take it. Worked. It was a really good summer for me for job offers at that time. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that continues. Yeah, it will. Um, okay. What about when you're, you get the production job um, and it's a straight production job before script coordinator, what, how did you use those positions to sort of further your goals to writing or further your education about animation in general, storytelling in general, what was sort of your strategy there? Well, when I could, um, cause on the 7D, our writers were not in the same building as us. They were in a different building. Right. So like, I didn't really get to see all the versions of the scripts, uh, like I had hoped. However, I did get to see, get to read the script and watch it go through storyboards. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how much sometimes not for the 70. They were very uh, strict and sticking with the script. However, when you get on a show where like the script is just the basis and the storyboard artist can really like put stuff into it, yeah. it's really amazing to see how like all the layers that are added through that. And then also with design, because you can add gags in a design. Yeah. You know, like I just wrote this was a like a like an incidental cat, and they made it a super like chunky like furry cat with a deep <laughs> voice like that was two different departments yeah <laughs> you know? it's like insane so it's really fun to see how things expand mm -hmm. uh so I feel like that's important to see and anything you learn in production and in witnessing the pipeline and how everyone contributes is going to help you in writing yeah and like and I know we've talked about this where like, I would love to be a showrunner one day for a show I create or for just a show in general, because I love the production pipeline. Yes. Um, I tell people I could talk about this forever and I don't know, I need to get a life, but I love it <laughs> so much. Uh, it, it's just amazing. It, it's just like, and it's amazing how many shows have a different pipeline, but it's like the same, but it's like the details yes. are different. And Which, it's just so interesting to me. It's so interesting and it can be both magical and so frustrating. Or it's like, guys, just yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, true. Let's all do it the same way. Uh yeah. Yeah. What about um uh and this is me speaking, just projecting my own experience onto it, but when you were a story edit coordinator on Puppy Dog Pals season one, um when I was a story edit coordinator in features, that was like a master class in storytelling. And did you, was it similar for you? And were you able to use that as like a, a really good foundation for them writing and especially on the same show? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I meant to go there. I'm so sorry. I lost my track, but like, yes. Uh, when I became story editorial coordinator on Puppy Dark Pals season one, it was really amazing to like, like, A, I got access to all the scripts so I could read yeah. every rendition of the script, but also getting to see it go through storyboard and editorial because, like, sometimes, like, your raw storyboard can be, like, the timing isn't quite there because, like, timing through um, Storyboard Pro is not the same yeah. <laughs> as, as editing through uh, Adobe Premiere, I think is what they use. And, um, yeah, it makes all the difference, honestly. Um, so, and, and the changes that happen, oh my gosh, I remember at the time our showrunner, uh, obviously would come to all the, uh, edit, edit reviews. Mm -hmm. And so would the supervising, uh, director. Mm -hmm. And so it would be me, them two, and the editor. 
and I would be taking notes and I'm just supposed to be silent in the corner. Sure. I would really only speak up if I had an idea and no one could figure something out. So I'd pitch yeah. something. So like I had gained their trust over time to do such a thing because <laughs> mostly I would say, you know, be quiet in the corner until you fill out the room because some people don't want you to talk yes. <laughs> in those rooms and they are not comfortable. <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, luckily, hopefully you get in a non-toxic situation where people like are like one more the merrier. Uh, you know, within reason. Yeah. Um, but there was this one episode where uh, <laughs> the the pugs meet a um, a zebra, and he's like this really fashionable zebra, and he just loves the the color of their collars because they have these like like really cool techie collars. And then uh, Roly, the our little silly pug, goes up to him and touches his leg. Just <laughs> it's just like the sweetest touch. Going, I love your stripes. <laughs> And it's, it, it means nothing, <laughs> but it added such a sweet moment. Yeah. And like, I don't even think you could have written that in the script. Be like, why does, why does Roly touch this yeah. stranger's arm? And cause that's basically what he's doing. But when you see it, it's just like, oh, it's just so warm and supportive. And it's just like this little flare that like, you can only add in when it's at the visual stage. Mm -hmm. So that's the other thing about seeing that process is that there are things you cannot put in script and get away with, yep. even though it's not like you're getting away with anything. It's just until you see it, right? it doesn't, you don't feel it. And like, that was such a warm feeling I got from that moment. But there's a lot of moments like that, that uh, they add at that point. Yeah. That you could only think of like when you're reviewing something that's already there. Cause starting from scratch is one thing, one thing. But then coming in to see what everyone else has done and adding something to it that just elevates it. So it, it's just really interesting to see so many people come together and see what their collaboration looks like and how it really develops. Yeah. And I feel like as writers, we can be, depending on the production, so far removed from that. Like sometimes we only interact with the writing team and we only ever see the scripts. So if you've never experienced being on the production side or being in another department, you kind of have no idea you'll see the finished product one day, but you don't know what went into all those steps. And it's, from my experience, it's um, so valuable to see it. Yeah, I, I feel like it makes you really understand the weight of what your yeah. words mean. Like, yeah, your words mean what they mean, but you get to see how much work goes into one yes. line, you know? Like, yeah. do we really need this additional location for one flashback? Exactly, no. <laughs> yes. It does not add to the story. It is not funny. <laughs> yeah. So you get to see all the work that goes into it. Yeah. But you also get to understand, I think in story and editorial, why why things might get rewritten or changed. Yeah. I know some people can be a little like um, sensitive about that and I get it. Uh, I know we're always like questioning story moment versus gag, you know, and there are teams that they want their gags and I feel like there needs to be a balance though. Right. So if we could get our script count down, we could have more gags <laughs> is my opinion. <laughs> yes. But probably depends on this show. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So you spent time as a production coordinator, then as a story edit coordinator, and then, um, you were ready to move into script coordinator. What was that process like? Did you, it was on the same show. So was it an application process? Could mm -hmm. you, could you talk about your experience and then just more generally what it usually looks like and how yeah. it's so competitive and how it's different it than applying for a, um, 
general coordinator job. Yeah, I had been, so just to kind of set up how hard it is, and how competitive it is, I had been, like, I had production coordinator experience on two different shows, and I was applying for script coordinator writer's assistant roles for, like, two years prior to becoming a script coordinator, and never got an yeah. interview, so it is hard, and um, yeah. Even when I knew someone on the show, I still didn't get it. Like, it's hard whether you know someone or not. So typically, um, I feel like the way I see more people get it is that they work in the same studio or on the same show, or they know someone that they've worked with before mm -hmm. that moved their resume forward to the story editor. Uh, I feel like the story editor or showrunner typically have that hiring power for that role, not necessarily the producer who is usually the person that hires everyone else. Right. Um, so it's like on the way to getting like, like, <laughs> like it's hard to become a staff writer. Well, like it's, it's getting on that way to becoming a script coordinator is, is yeah. almost that hard too. And sometimes you need writing samples as right. well, depending on what they're looking for. If, if they don't want their script coordinator expecting a, a, a script, they might not ask for samples. Right. Um, yeah. But if they want them to contribute in the room and maybe get freelance eventually, then you would probably be submitting samples. Mm -hmm. um, so my experience, um, every few months I would remind my producer, <laughs> I want to be a script coordinator. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I know I got you. Uh, but we didn't know if we had a season two and the day that we learned, we got a season two. Um, well, I don't think it was the same day, but it was like within a few weeks later, um, we had to wait to see if the season one script coordinator was going to come back. Um, but she took a different opportunity. Okay. So it was open. And so I met with the story editor. He's like, come with me, let's go talk. And I had never talked to him before. Cause I was oh, just wow. really intimidated. Yeah. And he actually kept his door shut a lot. <laughs> so I didn't want to be the, the asshole that went knocking on his door to be like, I want to be a writer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know you have a deadline. <laughs> so I never talked to him maybe once in passing, but I don't think I did. <laughs> which I would recommend trying emailing and meeting them. I don't know why I didn't do it. Um, I, that's what I would do differently. Uh, it worked out yeah. for me, but for you, <laughs> dear listener, please <laughs> be more proactive than I was at that moment. Um, so we went in, the, went in his uh, office. I sat down. I was so nervous. I was like, this is the moment. This is it. And he, and he was like, so I heard from Janine that you want to be a script coordinator. I was like, Yes, yes, I do. And I'm screaming on the inside. And um, I was like, do you want to read my sample? <laughs> like, just like ugh, vomit, like, just do you want to? And he's like, no, that's okay. Uh, I just, I need a script coordinator. This is what they would do. Are you interested? I was like, yes, yes, I am. Wow. I was like, are you sure you don't want to read my samples? <laughs> and he, cause I was like worried. I was like, what if I'm not up to snuff? Like, I'm so worried. And um, he's like, no. Amazing. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, I was really amazed and yeah. I was also really thankful because looking at those samples like a year later, I was like, I would not have gotten that job if you looked at my samples. So I was very lucky. And um, from what I understand, there was no one else that they were considering. Okay. Um, so I got really lucky. And I think it was because of, you know, the VP of production and my producer. Yeah. So he just took their recommendation and he needed someone really quick because they were hopping into development for season two. And so it just kind of worked out really well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm so very thankful and like kind of shocked and saying it out loud. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I've had some moments like that myself. <laughs> I do think, though, that it's key that um, 
you might not have reached out to him, but you were, I don't want to say working because that sounds not as uh, genuine. Oh, I was working my producer. But you were working that producer and you were consistent about it. And I think even if people mean well and have the best intentions, they get busy and they forget. So just constantly reminding yeah. her like, hey, if this opportunity comes up, I'm still yeah. ready. <laughs> Uh, I think that's super important and knowing that you crushed it as a production coordinator so that they could confidently recommend you to him is, Mm -hmm. is huge. Um, yeah. Okay. So now you get this coveted role as script coordinator. What are your roles as a script coordinator? What makes a good script coordinator both in and out of the writer's room? So as a script coordinator, You'll be in the room, you'll be taking notes, uh, you'll be proofreading and sending deliveries to network. Uh, You'll be archiving those notes, sending them to the writers if they want it. Um, Sometimes they just take the email. (laughs) They don't need you to send them notes a second time. Just depends. You kind of figure out the groove with your crew um, and you do what helps them the most. Uh, Your your story editor's right-hand person, you give them reminders, you anticipate scheduling issues and put it on their radar. Or if there's like something that comes up because they can't be in all their meetings because they have the work that they need to do, depending on your show, of course, and your story editor. But there were some meetings that my story editor wasn't in that I would be in like design breakdowns or uh, storyboard things. And I could give him like any story issues that come up, be like, oh, this part was this part was cut. They need this rewritten or like um, trying to think of things. be like, oh, they, you know, they changed, you know, this location to this location because they didn't want to build something new. They just wanted to reuse. And usually that's all fine. Like, uh, I think most of the time writers have reuse in mind and it just isn't clear in the script. So it's like, honestly, whatever makes it easier for the team is what we want to do. But I always just let him know that that's what's happening. And it also helps because then he can remind the writers like, hey, just be conscientious to put like per episode number in it if you're referring to a specific already existing location. Um, You're also the in-between of production, the writers and the showrunner, depending on your show, of course. Um, So like once the record draft is done, uh, I would do a cast breakdown and send it to like the voice and casting director. Uh, I would go to records, take circle notes. Uh, Whenever the audio came in, I'd send it to the store. I would put it on the server, but let the storyboard coordinator know. And so it's like, just making sure people know that things are happening and uh, you're sending things to the parts of the pipeline where it needs to be. Yes. A lot of tracking (laughs) too. Uh, Also, I don't know if a lot of coordinators do this, but I would do continuity. Like I would watch every pass of the animatic and check for pickups uh, to be recorded and bring up any continuity issues when cuts are made. Cause sometimes there'll be like a setup for a joke and then like (laughs) the outcome. And then it's like, well, that's like weird. I'll just point it out to the supervising director. And if it's fine, it's fine. Uh, Or like uh, if something's cut, but then there's like a little reference to it, like five minutes later, you're like, oh, you might want to rework that. Cause that was into this part that you cut. Um, I feel like it's helpful <laughs> and, yeah. uh, but there's a good way and bad way to bring it up. Cause if you're like, oh, you don't know what you're <laughs> doing, you messed this up. You want to be like, oh, just by the way, since you made this cut, uh, look at this area, you might want to yeah. cut that too. It's just reminding because everyone is doing so many things. I feel like in any production role, you just kind of want to pick up anything that might fall between the cracks really. Yeah. So 
that's what I felt like being a script coordinator was like. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, that is such a small chunk of my longer because I still have my job description, but it would take like 20 minutes just to read you every point. Yeah, it was There's so much work. <laughs> yes, I think it's a very under, uh, I don't want to say undervalued because I feel like I've been on writers writing teams where we care very much about the coordinator, but it can be an undervalued position. Um, I don't think everyone always knows how much they handle. They only see them in the writer's room and it's like, yes, yeah. that's a fraction of, <laughs> of what they're dealing with. Um, so what about when you're in the room and you're taking notes and that's your top priority and most uh, needed um, skill in the room, but how do you start making your voice heard? How do you start pitching? How do you start sort of being creatively involved in the room and working that out? Yeah. Well, obviously I wanted to do that as soon as possible, but I took my boss's advice (laughs) and I tried to hold back. When you go into a new room and a new team, I think it's important to listen more than contribute because Mm -hmm. there is like, there are certain pitches that just will never fly. <laughs> and so you kind of yeah. get to see what everyone's pitching. You see the vibe in the room. You see how supportive it is. You see how open and honest people are being. And mm-hmm. like, I love that about the writer's room. Like you can tell like really embarrassing stories and come out with like a really genuine story, like perfect for preschool. <laughs> yeah. And it's really cool. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, So it's really amazing to see an organic process like that, but also to see people fail. Like Mm -hmm. you see a lot of pitches that just don't. (laughs) And um, you also see people be very humble at the same time. So you'll see how it's okay that like pitches sometimes just don't work. Sometimes the story editor just doesn't like them or it's not right for this episode or for this like emotional story arc for the, you know, for the characters. And it's okay. Like, it's okay that something didn't work. It's okay that no one liked your idea. And it's okay if a joke doesn't work, you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes if you get a bad pitch out, someone else can pick it up and run with it and it becomes even more hilarious, you know? So it's really cool to see that you don't have to be perfect and that you can fail. And the sooner you fail, the quicker you succeed. <laughs> and yes. I feel like it's like this nice little incubator for what life <laughs> is like, <laughs> but yes. just like really <laughs> super fast getting through it. Yeah. It's nice to see that, to witness all those things as a script coordinator when you're just um, observing the room. And so you can be like, okay, so whenever it is my time to be pitching, I don't have to be as terrified because yeah. <laughs> look at all these people doing it. Um, yeah. I found that very helpful myself. So, okay. So you're, let's go back through it. So you're in the room. You've now been there for a while. Maybe you've started pitching in the room. Um on on your show in particular, were you then uh, given freelance as a script coordinator to start writing for the show? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it what was, was that process like? Oh, uh, so exciting. Uh, so it was season two that I became the script coordinator and it was the end of the season when I finally got some freelance. Uh, I was given like along the way, I was given the opportunity to submit springboards along with the staff writers. And so I kept writing them, submitting them, hoping that, you know, one would get approved. And finally, Disney approved some and one of them was mine. And so I got to write the premise outline for it. And it was so exciting. And if I remember it correctly, I think he let me choose which writer wrote it. And that was such a hard, like, yeah, it was very difficult. (laughs) to choose one, but I chose 
uh, I chose the the person that was previously the script coordinator because like oh, okay. we bonded over being script coordinators, obviously. Uh, and again, all this, all the writers are so amazing and bring something so unique to our show. Yeah. But I was like, I'm choosing Jean. <laughs> so uh, Jean on Saliva Hair wrote the episode and it was so good. Like all the jokes that I had put in, like the premise and outline and like you can't really put too many jokes because you need to focus on story because there's not a lot of room. But like everything I had set up, she had like taken through and she just elevated it and wrote so many more jokes and made it so sweet and so funny. And it was amazing. Uh, she brought me in kind of like what, what the other writer did. She, she let me read it before she sent it to the story editor and in case I wanted to pitch some more jokes. And I think I added like one joke because <laughs> it was so tight and so funny. I had nothing to add because uh, she's just really honestly that good. Um, but it was really cool. And there was this one moment where she actually added in a like a um, a montage. She added a little mm -hmm. manta ray in there because she knows how much I love them. Oh, and nice. Yeah. So I was like, I chose the right writer. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, so that was end of season two. And then you go into season three and you're the script coordinator for season mm -hmm. three. And Luckily. does that continue? <laughs> yeah. Are you, yeah. are you getting, are you getting more confident in the room? Are you able to build those relationships even more? And then are you given more writing opportunities? Yes. I got another episode like around 311. So it was like okay. in the beginning, but it was a little later, uh, which is fine. <laughs> I think, I feel like he gave me like a premise outline at the end of season two, cause we weren't, he wasn't sure we would get a season three. And, okay. and I think that's really kind of him, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, well, if this is the only chance, like let's do yeah. it now. Uh, but luckily that like the premise and outline went well, it didn't get a lot of notes and he liked my work enough. He did give me another episode to write and I got to write it all the way through script, which was really exciting. Awesome. Yeah. And so that one was yoga pups. <laughs> and, <laughs> nice. um, I got, like, I've told you, I really like wellness topics and self-care and I really think uh, preschool could use some more of that. Yeah. So it was really fun to write about. And also I just love these classes that have like a uh, goat yoga or frog yoga, oh, sure. <laughs> like puppy <laughs> yoga. And I was so excited to write about it. And like, I don't mean to make fun of it. I think it's like awesome and it's hilarious and it's just so much fun. So I was excited to take something I love from real life and put it into an episode. Yeah, that's great. Um, cool. So then season three continued. Did you, was that the only episode you wrote in season three or was there another one? And then tell me about the big staff writer moment. How did that happen? Oh boy. Okay. So I did get two more episodes in season three as a staff writer. So I made, oh. I got the, yeah, I made the transition at the end of season three. Okay. Uh, one of our writers had taken another opportunity elsewhere, which is a really cool opportunity. So happy for her. And uh, she had told me about it, I believe after she had told our story editor and I was like, he hasn't talked to me. <laughs> like, I don't think he's thinking of me. Oh yeah. I don't think he's considering me. And so I kind of like, oh man, I threw everything at the wall with this one. Oh, I was so bold. I was like, can we go to coffee? I would like to talk to you. Well, and so we done. went to coffee. Thanks. It was like so scary. Um, <laughs> and so we got a coffee. We sat outside of the Starbucks down the street from our studio. And I, I, I let it all out. I was like, uh, I told them how I saw a lot of my pitches in the room making its way into the final picture. Mm -hmm. And that I can see my contribution mm -hmm. in the show. And I feel like 
that would only increase in if he considered me to be one of the writers yeah. since he had a position to fill. So like I had springboards that were being written by other writers, you know, so like I could see the value I was bringing. And so I tried to um, just tell him, I was like, do you see this? Yeah. <laughs> like, would you please consider me? And I made sure to kind of tell him all the stuff I've been doing on my free time. Like I've been writing more, Great. like you've read my pilots. Like, unfortunately they were rough, you know, D2s I'm sure, but like, you could see I'm working on it. And like, I've learned so much from you. I just like, I let it all out. Yeah. <laughs> like I, it's probably like super embarrassing, but and he knew then that I really wanted it, I think. Right. And I, I like to think that that's why he considered me and hired yeah. me. But maybe he was considering me. I don't know. Um, but what if I didn't say all those things? Like, right. Like that could have made all the difference. So, yeah. Yeah. That goes back to what we were saying earlier, that sometimes people are just so wrapped up and not to their fault. They just are so wrapped up in their task at hand that they... Mm -hmm. They don't mean to overlook people, but it can happen. So you have to sort of be your own advocate and, oh, and yeah. make it hard. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I think that's great. And I will say, because I know it can be A, scary, and B, sometimes it doesn't go as well, is that I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, you probably knew, I mean, you even knew that you could ask him to coffee and be honest with him because you'd built a relationship over however many years at that point. And I think that's Definitely. a key part. Yeah. yeah. And like, I knew that nothing I was telling him was really news <laughs> to him. Like, right. I, I'm sure he didn't know some of the stuff I was doing on the side, but like, like you mentioned earlier, I do like to write like humor columns online. Uh, I have done theater. I, I do like art. Like I have a lot of interests, but it all comes back to storytelling. Like mm -hmm. I want to, I want to write and art will come into play at some point I'm sure hopefully when I'm show running yeah. but it lets me write in a different way I feel like mm -hmm. but I think explaining that helped too because it seems unfocused and I recognize that <laughs> you know but I'm a good writer you know and I feel like at the time especially I felt like I had a lot of promise I just needed opportunity right like I'd been working so hard and learning curves I do really well with <laughs> I don't know I could go on I just yeah uh, yeah no I think it's great I think it's also again I feel like I sound like a broken record because this is always my <laughs> crusade <laughs> but you were also doing a great job at script coordinating so he wanted to give you the opportunity if you'd been doing terrible at that job no one's gonna want to promote you or give you this dream uh oh, yeah because they're they're gonna be like no you've been making my life harder because I needed a good script coordinator for sure um, and I totally get why it's so hard when you're in a hiring position because you want someone who can hit the ground running that won't take more time off your plate time that you sure. don't have so I know that when when uh you know people who hire take like risks with like script coordinators or, or new writers, you know, I, I get it, you know, so I was sympathetic to that, but I just wanted to make sure I was being considered. <laughs> well, I think you'd proven yourself though, that you were going to hit the ground running too. I think you were the wise hire. You knew the show, you knew the characters, you'd already written some episodes. You yeah. knew the room. Yeah. Well, I had written that one episode at the er, earlier in the season and then the premise outline. The um the two uh later episodes were when I was staffed. Right. But the other thing about oh my gosh, 
Can I tell you about when they offered me the job? Oh, please. I love these stories. You cry. Tell <gasps> I me wish I cry. had a different. I didn't. I wish I had a different reaction because here's what I thought. Okay. So, and I haven't talked enough about my showrunner, Sean, but these two people, the story editor and this executive producer, like literally have changed my life and have been so kind and great mentors to me on Puppy Dog Pals. Like Puppy Dog Pals has changed my life. Okay. Like I may go through <laughs> it's a changed drought. many lives. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But yeah, if, if this show had not happened, I feel like I would be dunced, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, even if I don't get another job for like years, like my life is still changed because of this. I hope I get a job and if, you know, you won't, but, thank you. <laughs> but anyways, um, I cannot thank them enough, but anyway, so these two brought me into our EP's office. They sat me down, they sat down. They're like, so as you know, we have a staff writing position open. And uh, after a lot of consideration, we'd like to offer you the job. And I didn't say anything. I just kind of stared at them. And then uh, the story editor leaned in. He's like, we're offering you the job. And I was like, I know. Thank you. <laughs> and I kind of thought they were going to say, just kidding. So like, I didn't want to react big and then them like break my heart and be fooled. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. I don't know why I think people would do that for fun. Um, because we've been that. burned before. <laughs> I know. I also wondered if I was daydreaming or dreaming. I oh, don't know. Totally. I have a wild imagination. So I wasn't quite sure, which probably makes me sound crazy. But no. it, I wanted it so bad. Like I cried yes. over this so many times, like, like, and randomly, like, I don't know, you just get emotional. You want something so bad. You're so close to it. You're in the freaking room, right? As a script coordinator, you know? So like when something doesn't go right you just get emotional over it not yeah. you not i'm sure a lot of people I are do. more emotionally Here's, here I'll, than I'll, me, but. <laughs> I'll make you feel better okay. the day i was offered my first staff job i was at it was at a coffee shop i drove home and i was so elated on such a cloud nine that i was out of my body and when i pulled into my apartment to return to my home I hit a parked car just I just ran oh right into it oh <laughs> I was immediately like okay we're back down to earth we are humbled <laughs> we now have to deal with car insurance so <laughs> it's all I feel like when a dream comes true we just go to a different emotional state and I think so <laughs> there's no accounting for it <laughs> I love it oh I yeah, love that so much. I'm so sorry you hit a car, but well, that's such a perfect example of <laughs> the roller coaster of, yeah. that is a writer's life. Exactly. Yeah. Wild. Um, okay. So amazing. You finally believed them. Uh, you accepted yes. the job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> They're like, you want it, right? I was like, oh yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to go wreck my car. Um, <laughs> so talk to me about than making the shift from being the script coordinator in the room to being one of the staff writers in the room. What was that like? It was pretty organic. I mean, I was a, a script coordinator for almost two seasons of the, of the show. So I knew the team really well, uh, but because we lost one writer, the dynamic was gonna change anyway. Like our three writers were so tight. Like it was kind of hard to uh, yeah. to be in with them as a script coordinator, even they were that tight. Like it was, 
beautiful. <laughs> you know, I feel like that's like all writing teams, like that's what they should strive to be. <laughs> they yeah. were just perfect to me. Um, so it, the dynamic of course changed with different people, but so in the room, like I was already pretty active in pitching things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew as a staff writer, I would need to be more active and, uh, you know, maybe pit, go into my bad pitches ba- basket and throw some of those out. Yeah. Um, I still use my best judgment. <laughs> like I threw it out if I felt like maybe someone else could like get the nugget out and run with it. Yeah. Um, and that was really nice to feel like I could do that because they're not paying me to just sit there and be a body in the room. They're, they're paying me for my brain, you know? and experience yeah. and all that so and was it weird um for you having a new script coordinator come in I mean I'm sure there was so much relief to not be doing all those tasks <laughs> but was it it was. was it like a weird like oh I, I kind of want to take care of you or like I want to yeah I want to help you how did you release some of that yeah uh well it took a long time not to expect everyone to come to you asking for things because I feel like as a script coordinator you know you're doing a good job when no one's asking you for anything because uh if it's if you've archived it right people know where to get it you know but um yeah I was always available for our our script coordinator I had trained him uh he came I knew I told him he could come to me whenever he needed to yeah so like we had that bond and when I was a script coordinator he was our storyboard editorial coordinator oh, okay and he honestly got my butt in gear because he was a he was writing way more than I was and I was like <laughs> holy crap like geez maybe I'll get fired and he'll get my like my script coordinator job so like I got fired up when I met him um yeah. he's actually a staff writer now too what? Um, yeah That's amazing. it is really cool what a great success story for the show that they I know elevated people that's amazing. Yeah. We have a lot of storyboard revisionists who have become storyboard artists too, as Great. well as designers who are now assistant like art directors. Like amazing. It's a really it's a really supportive show with a lot of opportunity for growth. Yeah. So like we're we're so very blessed. And our story editor, like a lot of credit goes to him for like like mentoring us too. Like he was always yeah. available for questions and like if I didn't understand why, like something was how it was in any in anything like the room or in production he would answer those questions for me which was really awesome because he was so busy (laughs) so thank you so much (laughs) um but yeah I think all yeah like you said all transitions are going to be a little weird like maybe not for everyone else but definitely for you you know because you've like kind of set yourself up or you believe that you are this person but now you're in this new role and there's a new responsibility in that role and also Mm -hmm. like a type of person you have to be in a way because like I always like to think like and I think this is how life should be is like you are you and when you walk into any room no matter the hierarchy you are still you uh even though you have to pay these respects in whatever situation it mm-hmm. is however when I feel like when you're in such a support role and then all of a sudden you walk into a creative role you you still like it's like oh you want to know what I know uh or you want to know what I think <laughs> you still like pause you know like yes I felt like um like I mentioned, always expecting someone to come in my office and ask me for something or get on to me for missing something. (laughs) And, and that never happened. I was like, oh my gosh, like I have 
so much free time like or you feel like you do you didn't like because you have to write all these things but it was just like I felt like I could breathe finally I guess like it's so weird reaching your goals right totally like you want it for so long I love Tangled where they're like like what like what's my next thing you know like I've got this like what's my next lantern I don't know like yeah I forgot the exact wording obviously I chopped that up I knew what you meant. I'm a writer. <laughs> Lanterns and hair. Um, okay, just to, before we do the real close where I'm going to ask you for writing advice, before we do that, do you have advice for production people who are trying, maybe they've spent years already, uh, trying to get towards writing and how they can make the most of where they're at now? So while you're working in production, learn all that you can about the production pipeline. And the great thing about being in production, you're also building your network of peers. That becomes really important as you move forward because shows do not last forever. Uh, People go on to different things and all of a sudden, you know, a handful of people at a handful of studios. So whether or not they see you as a writer now is pretty irrelevant because at one point you are gonna break through as a writer and then they will see you as a writer. And if you keep reminding them of what you're doing when you catch up with them, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's just going to organically happen. So the more people know you want to be a writer, the more they will keep you in mind when they hear of people looking for writers mm-hmm. or if they're hiring writers. Like I'm in a couple writing groups right now and someday they might become a story editor, you know, and maybe yeah. they can hire me. And right now, we're just reading each other's work. We get to know each other's sensibility. Like we don't expect it obviously, but that is a perk of having peers that you share your work with. And um, I don't, you know, Patrick Rieger, like yeah. he's so open to people asking him questions. And I asked him this once, cause I know that he, he's been a story editor before is like, how do you get strangers to read your, your samples? And he was just like, uh, focus on the people on your level. Cause you were raised together. Cause like, he said he gets a lot of work from people that he used to be an assistant with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really true. And as frustrating, frustrating as it can be, <laughs> um, it's, it's the long haul, right? Yeah. Like, like you'll get there if you don't stop going after it and you don't stop focusing on your craft. Yeah. Like always keep improving. You're never going to be perfect. Uh, just keep going. Like if you don't stop, you're just going to keep going and you will get there eventually. Yeah. Obviously networking, putting yourself out there is helpful. Yeah. (laughs) You know, (laughs) if you just write stuff and putting in your desk and don't get people to read it, it's nothing's ever going to happen. So it's a mixture of a lot of things. Yeah. Um, And I just also want to say that, like, I know it's not for everyone going up the, the script coordinator and production path, but um. For people who are currently in these production roles looking to break into the creative, like I know how hard it can be to stay motivated and encouraged. Mm -hmm. Like I remember asking myself, is this worth it? (laughs) Like, am I going to be a script coordinator forever or a production coordinator forever? And like, it's totally fine if someone wants to, but if you don't want to be, then like you need to, you need to make that change. And the only way you can do that is by taking action and you can only control yourself. So even when you're getting all these no's, you have to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Like production roles can be emotionally difficult depending on your leadership and environment. They are non-union and often underpaid and sometimes without benefits. 
Like it's really fucking hard. And I actually wish that people would recognize this. Yeah. Because I feel like they are very like uh underappreciated. Like yeah. and a, a lot of roles can be, and we should all just be compassionate here. But if I had to do it all over again, I would. I would go up production again. I would struggle to get in that script coordinator role because I've learned a lot. Yes. And I think that when I eventually get the opportunity to show run, which hopefully that happens again, if I keep working for it, mm-hmm. surely it'll happen eventually. If it doesn't, whatever. I'm telling stories and I'm very happy. But like, I think I would also be kinder to myself and meditate while yeah. I was in production. It's like I took on a lot of unnecessary bullshit like on myself that was not my fault yeah so have firm boundaries like animation may be an industry where people who love it come to work but it is work and you deserve to be paid for it and you deserve to go home at a decent hour uh, so like yes. while you are in production working towards making that leap uh definitely remember to take care of yourself and uh build those boundaries for you that's great um Okay, we like to close with any piece of advice specifically for writing animation, whether yes. breaking in um, and, and, and what you would encourage people to do. Write. Write specs of existing shows. Create your own originals. Write pitch bibles for those shows and take yourself seriously as a writer. Don't think if, think when. <laughs> when I am a writer and I land an agent or a manager, I will have all these ideas figured out and ready to go. I like my first EP I worked with would always say you always need an idea in the back of your pocket because if you're presenting one and it's not their thing they'll ask well what else do you have and you will have something I wish I had more because now I'm paying a manager (laughs) and I like I'm like I'm it's not ready yet it's not ready yet I wish I would have (laughs) done more writing on like original pilots and so be ready because it's going to happen and you're going to be ready. Yeah. And that those pieces can also get you that manager or an agent too. Yeah. But uh, yeah, have ideas, commit to those ideas. Don't second guess yourself because it's a waste of time. And worst of all, it wastes your time because honestly, why not you? Like a lot, there's a lot of people in the world that have really cool jobs. Like why couldn't it be? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, okay. Where can people find you if you want them to find you and, uh, please tell us all about your episodes that are out now where they can watch them and also your podcast, just plug all the things. Okay. Uh, so I'm at Cassie Soliday across the web, Twitter, Instagram, and I think maybe TikTok. <laughs> I haven't started posting videos there. I'm mostly there for cat dog art process and comedy videos. Oh, sure. um, and my website is sassy.com. And I have a podcast called Ink and Paint Woo. Girls, where I interview women and non-binary folk uh, who work in the animation industry. Uh, yeah, I love it. Um, oh, what else? Puppy Dog Pals. Is it on Disney oh, Plus? Yeah, yeah. Where can people... Right. Puppy Dog Pals is on uh, Disney Plus. Uh, season one and season two are up there. Otherwise, you can pay to watch it on nice. Amazon Prime. But hopefully they'll uh, put season three up and you can actually see some of my fully like written episodes. Yeah. Uh, but Good Reef is up, which is the one I did the premise and outline for. Cool. And while it's very hard to get like a mermaid into a preschool show, I did it. Well done. <laughs> Not a real one, but it it is one. <laughs> We'll take it. It counts. Okay. <laughs> Thank I'm you so much. I'm proud of it, though. You should be. Thank <laughs> you so much for coming on. Thank you for... Thank you for having me. Kendall, can I just say, and you can keep this in here, because 
you are you are such an inspiration and you're such a doll and I know that you didn't know this but while I was a script coordinator and you were working on Rocketeer at Wild Canary which is the same studio that makes Puppy Dog Pals I always looked up to you even though you didn't know who I was <laughs> uh oh I yeah. didn't know who you were and I <laughs> oh, heard yeah. of your greatness all the time uh, and thank you for saying that I will cut all of it out because I can't handle compliments <laughs> Oh, but you should keep it. I'll keep maybe maybe a little bit of okay. it. Okay. I do appreciate it. Thank you. All right, enough of that. Um, but really, thank you to Cassie for being so kind and supportive. And I so appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and advice for everyone. Um, I've included some links in the episode description, one to Cassie's podcast, Ink and Paint Folk, and also to all of her social media. Definitely check all those out, give her a follow. And also we didn't even discuss it in the episode, but Cassie has created an incredible Google Doc with tons of resources specifically for animation writers. So I've also linked to that in the episode description. Otherwise, I'll be back soon with another new episode. And as always, thanks for listening. Thank you.